Okay, we have the legend Jerry West on the telephone with us. And Jerry, I want to start off with this. I just gave my top five ball handlers in NBA history. And I said Kyrie Irving is number one. Uh, I don't know if you agree or not, but what do you think about that? Well, you know, I think he has uh, a lot of time you have people style over substance and substance over style. Well, he's got substance and style, and I think that makes him very, very attractive. Uh, he's so clever, uh, has such confidence when he, and particularly when he's driving to the basket, he might be the best finisher in the game that, that's not a dunker. Um, he just, he just has unique skills and, and he's, he's the one when you watch him, uh, you say to yourself, my goodness, you know, he's got something different with all his change of paces, his explosiveness, uh, getting, getting to the rim. Uh, finishing with his both hands. Uh, uh, Steph Curry is a tremendous ball handler too. He has a, you know, he has a different kind of a, you know, he's kind of more herky jerky, and he probably wants to shoot shoot a jump shot, uh, and particularly going to his left. And yet he is a he's a shot maker going to the basket too, and people lose sight of that. But there's uh, Irvin Johnson, uh, uh, you know, for his size, his uh, incredible uh, ability to handle the ball, but he was a safe player. Uh, he wasn't the flashy one, okay? He just had, again, he had substance and style. And so you get unique players, and obviously we're not talking about some really good ball handlers, but people who uh, have played the game at a higher level also. Yeah, now when... When you played, and even when I grew up learning how to play, they taught us to dribble with the ball on our on top of our hand on top of the ball. And now, yeah, that's correct. You know, <laughs> these guys obviously are doing what we would have used we would have called carrying or palming the ball back in the day. How much of that has to do with the ball handling being so much better now? Well, there's no question that that's helps enormously. Um, if you're dribbling the ball, and particularly if you're turning the corner, and you're trying to turn a corner, if you don't get, if you today you can get your ball hand under the ball, yeah, <laughs> and you can change directions a hundred degrees. That has to be carrying the ball. You can't physically do that unless <laughs> you ball have your ball under your hand under the ball, changing directions. But also think that <clears throat> kids today. Uh, when they start out, I, I, I was having discussion with some people last night uh, at a class at uh, University of Southern California, and we're talking about all the the coaching aids, all the things that these kids have seen and watched. And what do you see young kids do? They're all dribbling the basketball, yep. and they have little hands, okay? But you watch them dribble the basketball, and they're dribbling on the side of the basketball, and can you imagine the difference in trying to dribble it relatively on the top of the ball <laughs> and actually being able to roll the ball under the hand, yeah. uh, under, uh, under, uh, with her hand under the ball. It even makes kids, uh, for kids with smaller hands to be really exceptional, uh, ball handlers. And one of the things that I watch all the time, and I know it's kind of crazy, but it's my interest in the game and where I see the game going, um, Everyone, I don't care how big they are, these kids have all started out dribbling the basketball. 
And I watched kids on YouTube a lot. Uh, I mean, some incredible young players. Some of them are uh, the sons of uh, current NBA players. Watch them handle the basketball. And again, they they picked this up since they're little, and obviously their families have encouraged them to participate. And you watch them handle the ball. It's just amazing to me uh, uh, what they've picked up. Every time you see a, a player do something different, you know, kids copy uh, Steph Curry and his ball-handling routine before he starts the game. Um, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, just to watch him, all the things he can do with the ball. Uh, kids like to watch players like that. Uh, watch LeBron James now, all the, the workout stuff he does. I saw something the other day he's doing on kind of uh, on kind of like plastic looking bags for balance um these kids today are like sponges and so anytime they can see one of these great players doing something obviously they're going to try to replicate it because they so admire the way they play you mentioned where the game is going today and obviously today's nba game there's a heavy emphasis on the three-pointers it's kind of positionless <clears throat> basketball very little post play um, and even I think there's a shrinking mid-range game. How do you feel about the direction of today's game, you know, versus what it was, whether it was when you played or even the 80s and 90s when post-play and mid-range games were a much bigger part of it? Well, I, I do think, uh, uh, you know, everyone follows the limbs over the sea, so to speak. Uh, but a lot of this stuff is the way that t- kids are taught today. If, if you have a lot of kids participating in, in, uh, in AAU sports and leagues, uh, if they're good enough, they graduate to the AAU teams, okay? Mm-hmm. And their influence is tremendous. Their, their games are about slicing the ball to the basket, uh, dunking the ball if they can at a relatively young age, and shooting three-point shots. But to do that... You have to be really a really good ball handler, and regardless of what size you are, you see these guys that are they're they're really big, and they're almost like positionless players. And I say that as a positive, because if you have two or three of those guys, you know everyone the traditional point guard. At one time, everyone used to look as a point guard. You throw it to him, and you, you let five other people uh, move around, and hopefully the guy. Uh, uh, finds the right person, but I think those are players are more difficult to play with. I think more ball movement, uh, more drive. It's a drive and kick game, and when you get in the lane, if you can find people in the corners, uh, the corner three point shot is a is a high percentage shot if you're a good shooter. It's not. Uh, it, to me, it was nothing more than than uh, almost just an extended foul shot. And I never played under those rules, but I certainly shot from there. So it's not a, it's not a particularly difficult shot. But I do think the game is becoming more positionless. Uh, you know, people get somebody, uh, you know, seven feet, uh, who's shooting three-point shots just as well or better than uh, uh, than a smaller player. Yeah. I would, I think that for players, uh, because of the long arms and and uh, the the athletic ability uh, to to me, they're really some of them are missing the boat with these fifteen foot shots that are not hard. You have the right technique and the right footwork uh, because 
I just think I saw a game the other night. I was shocked when I saw this game. Two plays in a row, a ball was turned over, and this same person shot two three-point shots, one on five, one on five. <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, I don't think that's a smart shot, and I don't think it's a smart shot, and no one can argue to me that that is a smart shot because – Three-point shooting is getting better. I think the other thing that you look at, and you can tell the shooting has improved, is the free-throw percentage that players are shooting. We have a bunch of guys who are shooting mid-90s, high-90s, low-90s. And so you can see that there's so much more time spent with their shooting, and particularly the shooting form. And if you don't have good shooting form, you're probably not going to be able to shoot at that level. So you're not you're not one of the older players who like thinks there needs to be more post play. It doesn't really bother you that we don't have great big men in the post anymore. Well, they're mer- uh, they you have people that can score in there, but some of them are smaller. Okay, yeah. And uh, I still think uh, late in the game, if you have a big guy that's truly a great center, I don't see a great center in this league. I see great players that are versatile that don't play with their back to the basket a lot. But almost all of them have the ability to step out in the court. I think the way they have been taught and the way that they have played, it's more uh, it's more conventional to have a player like that. And, you know, we have uh, here in Los Angeles, you know, you have a lot of different people uh, that have I've watched the greatest some of the greatest players we have. And the Lakers won an NBA championship here in the 80s with Magic Johnson, Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, shooting very few three-point shots. Very few. But I I think the biggest difference is is if you have a center that just loves to stay under the basket, and if he can't come out and all the pick-and-rolls that they're uh, put in today – He's going to be a liability defensively, but on the other hand, if if he's an overwhelming offensive player, or particularly an offensive rebounder, uh, he has he's going to destroy some of these kids in the league today because they haven't taught been taught traditionally back to the basket play. And uh, if you have one of those guys, my goodness, who's versatile enough to step out and make a 15 footer. Uh, you've got a, an exceptional player in the NBA today. But there, one of these days you're going to come along and there's going to be somebody in there like Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Akeem Olajuwon, who can make a 15-footer, but you're throwing, throwing the ball. He's going to have to get doubled and tripled. Uh, and then that changes the concept of the game. But those players don't seem to be being developed today. Well, you, you bring up an interesting point because I know the rules are different, so... It might be hard to, well, to do yeah, this. Well, they certainly are. Yeah. Can, but can you imagine the Showtime Lakers or even the Shaq Kobe Lakers playing against these Warriors? How would you see a game like that going? Well, I would tell you that Shaquille O'Neal would overwhelm uh, players in this league today. Um, uh, Kobe Bryant would still would be as great as he was then. There would be no question. Um, he, he, he played in the, uh, here lately 
well, not lately, but uh, later in his career, I should say, he played in the kind of a modern era. But if yeah. you're well aware, if you look at the history of the league, the Boston Celtics used to shoot 100 shots a game. Yeah. The old Celtics. And so they were kind of a, a, a almost replicated the way the game was played today. The pace again, was they were faster tremendous. when you played, yeah, back when you played. Yeah, and and when I don't know if the pace was faster, but we shot a lot more shots, okay? There didn't, but again, the coaching has gotten to the point where it's gotten so good, everyone gets scouted, but if you're a good defensive team, you're going to have more offensive opportunities and should have more good ones, turnovers, steals, four shots, uh, those things lead to run-out baskets and easy layups. Today, they're, uh, you know, and particularly because I was involved with the Warriors for a few years, I got a chance to watch some truly unique players shoot the ball, uh, as good or better than anyone I've ever seen. Not one, but two. Yeah. And then you throw a, a Kevin Durant in there who can make all kind of shots. Um for for his last year there, and it's truly these two the, the, these two players are two of the most gorgeous shooters that I have ever seen in my life, and it's a pleasure to watch them um, shoot the ball. It's a pleasure how they work to watch them work together, and uh, for me, uh, I've always felt that shooting is an art form. And if you see these kids today, some of them have gorgeous shooting strokes. And don't think they haven't copied uh, some of the shooters they most admire. We're going to see more shooters today because of the way the game has played. And then, you know, you watch a Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. Here's a guy that looked like he doesn't shoot the ball and doesn't want to shoot the ball, but he's so good and he's so talented that he can get the ball to the basket uh, because he's deceptive and he's big. Uh, he's going uh, Kids are going to want to play like him going forward, and he's been by far the best uh, rookie this year. Uh, even he though he reminds you know, me of Magic Johnson. Is that? I mean, well, you obviously worked with Magic. Do you see that? Well, I do. But Irvin, Irvin had a more of a shot selection. But this was something that he developed by working on it diligently on his game. But this kid, to me, he's a better athlete than Irvin. Uh, he's not. He's certainly not a better player at this point in time, but he was a be- he's a better athlete, and he's bigger. And mm-hmm. Irvin was big. But Irvin had the same kind of mind. I would say he had one of the great minds. He was one of the great leaders that this league has ever seen. Uh, you won't see many players like him in your lifetime. And I had the pleasure to watch him for so many years uh, make plays that other people simply can't make. And this kid can do it. And, uh, my goodness, he's going to be a, an enormous player before his career is over. And can you imagine if he could, if he would have a 15-foot shot oh, yeah. consistently he can make? Oh, my goodness. It would be, uh, to me, it would be uh, impossible to play something like that. Who, who are you going to put on him? No, I, okay. I, I agree. Now, now, Magic told me once, he once told me a story where he said it, it was a practice his rookie season. I think it was maybe even in training camp. 
And he said a player, I believe it was Ron Boone, like hammered him under the basket where we're scrimmaging. And then the, on the next possession on the other end, Magic kind of hauled off and just punched Ron Boone. And he, you were, he said you were watching in the stands and you called Magic over and like you were angry, but you really told him, you know, you loved it. And you were proud of him. And he said that was kind of when you knew he was going to be a player or he had heart. Like, do you recall that story? And yes, I do. I do. Um, you know, the one thing I used to, when when he was younger, you know, he was jumping around all over the place. And I said, my God, Irvin. I said, we play 82 games. <laughs> and I said, I know you have boundless energy and enthusiasm. But I said, as you get older, I said, the one thing you're going to find is that <clears throat> that shouldn't be there uh, from a, uh, from a perspective that would, um, uh, I said, you're going to wear yourself out physically by expending all this energy. But to watch him grow as a player and watch some of the things that he did, uh, the people who had a ch- chance to watch him up close and personal and get to know him and watch how hard he worked on his game, uh, this was just one of those magnificent players that if you're around him, he was a great guy. He was a great teammate. Uh, it's just one of those players that you always, uh, I'll always take the memories I had from uh, from watching him play uh, and watching how he approached the game. He was the ultimate competitor. And uh, anyway, um, it's just fun to watch those kind of people come in. But again, you think of the revolution of this league. Uh, the big mobile kids, and there's going to be more in, in the future. Watch uh, Giannis uh, yeah. in, in Milwaukee. Yeah. My God, uh, what, he's 22 years old? Yeah. Um, what's he going to be? I mean, it's just it's just amazing. And, you know, he's improved so much, and he has a joy to play play this game. Uh, and when I watch him play, I, said my, my, I say to myself, where he first came into the league, to watch him play today, this is a truly unique talent also. But on the thing that separates those talented players is how competitive they really are. But uh, when you watch him, uh, he's going to be one of those guys, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he's going to be one of those guys that everyone is going to be talking about him, even though he's playing in a small market. Can you imagine if he'd been, play, been playing in New York or oh, Los Angeles or, or yeah. Chicago? Yeah. This yeah. guy is truly unique. I mean, he's a great player. I love to watch him play uh, I, I, because he's gotten better. He looks like he gets better every game. And when he gets to the point where he can make a 15-foot, 17-foot shot consistently, he's not bad now. But, again, he's worked on it so hard, and it tells you what kind of a person he is. Yep. He wants to be not great. He wants to be the best, and he's approaching that right now. Who would you, if you had to pick in your all-time starting five by position, so a, a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, who would you? Who would be your top starting five? I would get myself in trouble <laughs> <laughs> with many of the friends that I have in the league and players I so admire. That would be almost an impossible task because I think you have to forget the eras that these players have played in, okay? And look at the era today, okay? That's what matters most, the era today. 
um, I think it, you know, it would be difficult. There would be a bunch of players. If you give me ten, I would do that, but I'm not going to do it in the first place because <laughs> um, something that's sure to create controversy is trying to compare players from different eras and, you know, who's the greatest player of all time. Um, do you uh, have, do you have an idea on the bet? Like most people say Michael Jordan. Do you have a, an idea who you think was the best player ever? Well, I've said it. I think Michael's the best player. And i tell you why I think he's been the best. Everyone talks about championships, okay? To me, you're fortunate if you can play on one championship team. If you play with two, you know you're playing with exceptional players. And you're playing with players that complement each other. Uh, I think the most important thing are the players, how they play. Uh, the If you look at the body of their work for so many times, and how they keep their kept their teams competitive, regardless of who they were playing against, how they approached the game from a mental and physical aspect, and how what competitors they were. And I just think I hear you know you look at LeBron James. My goodness, um, I don't think he gets enough credit. I really don't. You know, no one will put him up in that category at this point in his career i think this guy has been remarkable uh he, he has carried teams that didn't have a lot of talent as compared to the teams they were playing in the finals seven straight finals in today's era with all the teams uh the spreading out of talent uh, i think it's remarkable if to see his body of work on both ends of the court um uh, I have never felt he's got enough kudos, to be honest with you. I know uh, after the 2011 finals when he lost to Dallas in Miami, he called you, you know, to talk about, you know, not winning championships and how you dealt with some of the finals losses. What would you tell him? Well, I, you know, I think any time you have conversation with players that are private, they should remain private. And um, the one thing... <laughs> The one thing I said to him, I said, I played in nine NBA finals. I won one. How do you think I felt? <laughs> and I said, you just you just have to go back with a re- different resolve. And I, well, it was private, and I don't really yeah. think I should get into it. But I've, somebody I've really admired from a distance, watching him come in the league at a, as a early player. But there's also the thing I do admire about him, too, is the fact that he puts his money where his mouth is. He does things for people. Uh, he he he's concerned about children mm-hmm. growing up. Um, I just think it's a uh, it's unique that um, that players can have that kind of a social conscious uh, consciousness and uh, also uh, his the things that he does for educational purposes. I just. I just I admire some of the things he does off the court. Now, he, he's kind of known for creating this new super team era. Um, but I think there's, there's obviously been super teams in the past. I mean, you guys in L.A. with Wilt, and Elgin Baylor, Gail Goodrich, yourself, obviously. Um, that was obviously a super team. But you guys. You but know, it, had, it didn't have the success. We didn't win a championship with that team. Now, you won so one. Was a, Gail with you? Yes, he was, but Elgin Elgin retired. I think our record was, oh, my gosh, five and four. And when Elgin retired, I said, this is over, okay? Uh, you know, and because 
he was a player that I most admired. Somebody I who treated me like like I was his equal. Um, I just I just loved this guy. And when he left there, I said, "Oh my God, this is horrible." And I, I'd lost my friend. I lost somebody. We had shared a lot of hardship in terms of losing in the finals. We won 33 straight games without him after he retired. And I said, how is this possible? How is it possible? But sometimes teams fit really well together, and he was he had, had a lot of injuries that had uh, uh, hurt him in terms of his ability to play the game at a level he used to play at. And uh, some teams just fit together. And also people don't think luck enters into this. Don't ever believe it doesn't play uh, a great amount of luck. Right bounce at the right time. Some guy missing a shot that he would make nine out of ten times so easy. Missing a layup that could win a championship. Uh, or put you over the top. Put you, instead of two points ahead, but four points ahead. There were no three-point shots at that time unless it was the right way. Um, um, the old-fashioned way. And uh, I, I just think that uh, let's say this game entails a lot more things than the average fan thing. Well, you know, uh, if two teams stay healthy, staying healthy is hard to do. Um, but it's just a completely different league, and I say more importantly, uh, it, it's gotten better in terms of uh, fans watching the game. Uh, my goodness, uh, all the exposure that the players have. I think it's the most fun game to watch. And when I watch football today, I think people are turning it off. I mean, they're tired of seeing all the injuries and I think all the controversy uh, uh, that's going on in the league today about social issues. Uh, sometimes people get turned off. They just want to watch an athletic contest. And people have, and players, I admire players who speak out. I think that's, to me, I, I, in football I see uh, you know, everyone talks about how much money people make in football. My gosh, uh, the end, the chances they take it should, in my opinion, should be all guaranteed. Their money should be all guaranteed. And I also think that you know, these concussion issues, uh, the violence of the game, all these people get hitting and getting speared in the head, all the concussions, uh, the tragic stories that occur from stuff like that. Um, I just think basketball has been become a game that has kind of captured the imagination. And these young kids, regardless of what size you are today, heck, somebody, Isaiah Thomas, was he 5'9"? Yeah. Yep. This guy was an all-star at 5'9". Yep. And the way the game has changed, it gives kids, and particularly smaller players, that have a unique talent. If you don't have a unique talent, you're probably going to not be able to play in the league. The unique talent usually is great physical ability, maybe a great leader, a, a great distributor of the ball, even scoring. And I think it was really ironic in the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago. The first player taking a draft was LeBron James. The 60th player taking a draft, Isaiah Thomas. They were the two best players on their team. <laughs> and, and it tells you that people make mistakes. Yeah. And particularly they make mistakes when they can't look inside of somebody's head and particularly their heart. And um, that, to me, is what's made this league. All these little kids who are out there uh, pretending or hoping to be in a Kyrie Irving, 
he's not the biggest person in the world. And Isaiah Thomas, um, there's hope for them today. The way the game is played. Yeah, especially with the with the three point shooting. Do Do you ever wish you had played with the three point line? I mean, you your numbers were ridiculous as it was. Like, what do you think you would have averaged with the three point line? You know, I don't know if if that would have been in. Well, obviously, in your career, you 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 make shots like that, but. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, something that people were much more ball conscious, moving the ball, uh, more movement, more passing, more shots. Um, so coaches have had a great deal of influence on it, and obviously the OABA uh, brought something to this league that was that is that you never want to see get rid of. When it first came into the league, I didn't think it would ever become a a real weapon like it is today, except when you're behind. If you were three points behind with uh, with seven seconds left to go, you were going to lose the game, mm-hmm. period. The game was over, mm-hmm. unless you were a moron and fouled someone, and that usually didn't happen. But uh, today, hell, you can make a four-point play because somebody's contesting it. Yep. And uh, so it has changed the dynamics of the game, but at one time when leads were not, uh, were not safe, um, hell, teams can come back from 20 points behind the fourth quarter and win games because of a three-point shot. Yep. And um, so I think it's added a reason for people not to leave the game when the games are out of hand, and particularly if you've got a very capable team playing and they haven't been playing well that night. Um, you know, ten times down the court and you could be ahead. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's uh, the game has changed, and uh, as I say, I I just I like the I like the way the game has changed. Uh, uh, you know, I see things that uh, I'm watching a few games here recently. Guys driving for the basket, okay, making a layup, and somebody bumps into them, they're falling down, and they hit somebody on the neck or up to the uh, head area, and I'm saying to myself, that's a technical foul. <laughs> My goodness, it's ridiculous. It's not a technical foul. Yeah. And I think everyone's so concerned about the trauma that they see in football that uh, I saw Carmelo Anthony get kicked out of the game the other night. I had to laugh that he got kicked out of the game. That awesome I had to foul. laugh. Yep. That was that was Well, it just it shouldn't be in there, okay? People who make the rules, they haven't played this game before, and they don't know when you're up in the air and somebody bumps you, you're trying to catch yourself, you might grab someone by the shoulder. You might grab them by the neck. And uh, I don't like that. I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think that obviously the game is not, uh, they don't allow it to be as physical as it used to be. And well, It's not physical at all, Chris. <laughs> it's not physical, period. You have bigger bodies. But it's not physical game at all. Yeah, yeah. Now you obviously were a superstar. I mean, Larry Bird, Rick Barry, John. I mean, some of the greatest players to ever played the game. I feel like we really haven't had a white American superstar since John Stockton. But you've got great white players. I mean, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, you know, Pau Gasol, Manu Ginobili. Now you got Kristaps Porzingis. But they're all from outside of America. Why do you think we're no longer developing great white American players? And kind of what would you say to, like, you know, a young white American kid who wants to be a great basketball player? 
Well, you better have an incredible work ethic, okay, number one. Uh, I admire uh, players who have a work ethic. Uh, you can't get better or you can't compete at this level because there's, what, 420 players playing in the NBA. It's the most competitive league there is. There's only 60 players drafted from America every year. Yeah. There's players from other countries that are hungrier. Uh, they work at it. They work at it. Uh, many of them are bigger. Uh, players from uh, you know these Ukraine areas. <clears throat> they're all big, <clears throat> and they work very, very hard on their on their skill. And when I watch today, I don't necessarily uh, think it's the 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 fact that there's not some wonderful white players out there. But I was remarking last uh, last night that when we first came to Los Angeles, <clears throat> we were on the last page of two newspapers. The Rams were selling out the Coliseum, 100,000. The Dodgers were drawing 80 or 90,000 in the Coliseum for baseball. And we were a nobody, the first team in the town. <clears throat> and to watch the transformation of basketball here in Los Angeles, and we had some white players then, but we had the advent of players who had played, had to go to school for four years, had a different kind of, of player in terms of socially, and and I think players were really close and liked each other a lot then. You had nothing, you made no money, you, and you traveled together, you, didn't, you, you spent all your time together, uh, you didn't have opulent flying, you didn't have all the amenities that people have today. And so the game has changed, but <clears throat> I mentioned to this class last night, <clears throat> who would have ever thought that we have not one basketball player who happens to be white, regardless of what country they're in, would not be the one who would be the voice of the league. I have, to me, I think the remarkable <clears throat> change I have seen in this game and also some things that help enormously socially is to see that the most revered athlete athletes in our league are black. Okay, mm -hmm. they're the ones who are all of the leading uh, people you see on uh, TV uh, with advertising. Uh, they make fortunes off the court. Mm -hmm. I am so thrilled to see that happen. For, for, for me personally, okay? Yeah. And it tells you <clears throat> that the most popular players in our league are all black. And to me, that's a great social commentary. Uh, they're revered, they're admired, not only here, but all over the world. And some of them are just the greatest representative for their respective races. And regardless of where they come from, uh, mm -hmm. it, it just... It's amazing cultural change for me to see, and I'm thrilled that this happened. I've had a chance to see it happen in my lifetime. Now, speaking of superstars, I mean, you're you're obviously working with the Clippers as a consultant, um, and you guys had one in Chris Paul, who obviously went to Houston. Um, were you guys were you guys going to offer Chris the full five year max? Uh, contract, what? or did he, you know, did that have anything to do with him leaving, you think? Uh, first of all, you know, I just got here when all this was going <laughs> on. I just arrived on the scene. So, you know, I'm not nearly as up-to-date on that as I should be. I know that they wanted to retain him. 
But Chris does not want to be here. And I think that when you have a player that doesn't want to be there and you have no control over the situation, he he was unrestricted. And he was one of my favorite players, I have to admit. he uh, I loved the way he approached a game. I loved uh, how he competed. Uh, but he didn't want to be here. And to me, uh, I think if someone one, uh, uh, doesn't want to be here, uh, at one time you didn't have the right to exercise that option, okay? Mm-hmm. But he will be. Uh, whether or not Houston will pay him that much money, I'm not sure. Uh, so it's up to them. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what their talks have been with him, but he helped the Clippers out, and the Clippers helped him out because he can go there and make more money. Do you have any? I mean, there you we hear older players all the time criticizing players for jumping, you know, to more talented teams. Um, LeBron, Kevin Durant, even you know Chris Paul goes to play with James Harden. Do you have a problem with that or not? I I don't. I don't. And the reason why I don't, because there was a couple times in my career when we had, I was part of the change in this league in terms of seeing uh, uh, players have a chance to be representative. In 1964, the Players Association was formed at half before a All-Star game, uh, led by Larry Fleischer, uh, Tom Heinsohn, Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson, and all the players who really were concerned and. Because he had no rights at all then, absolutely none. And, you know, if um, you had no representation, p- the players made little or no money. You had to work in the offseason if you had a family. But I think the thing that was, uh, to me, that was a changing of the guard. Okay. And today when I see players have the right to leave, uh, there was an owner here in Los Angeles who will go anonymous when I played, uh, who lied to me uh, more than once about a contract situation. You didn't have to lie to me. All you have to do is say, no, I don't agree that this is what we should do. And can you imagine someone from West Virginia who was shy, biteful, uh, all I cared about was playing. I wanted to get paid what was fair and what was right. And I never received that in Los Angeles. Um, Mm. It just, um, I applaud players who want to leave, okay? The, the one thing I've never understood, when Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City, okay, he left for whatever reason he left. I don't think it had anything to do, period, with Russell Westbrook. I think he wanted to make a change. Everyone wants to blame his relationship with Russell Westbrook. I don't believe that at all. Oklahoma City's done a great job there. Uh, their franchise has been always, here in the last few years, very competitive. And he, I think he wanted a change. And he gets killed for it. He absolutely gets killed. But when I see Gordon Hayward leave Utah, there was little or no outcry. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be LeBron James and Kevin Durant? Yeah. And again, if, if, um, if Gordon wanted to leave, so be it. Unfortunately, uh, I'm so sick that he got hurt. And not have a chance to play that really yeah. doesn't seem fair. Yeah. But it, it, to me, it never made sense why he really got little or no complaint. But LeBron James and and Kevin both were social outcasts. I just think it's grossly unfair. They earned the right to leave, 
and I wish in my career I would have had the same opportunity. How much, because we know you played a large part in the recruiting Durant to Golden State. You know, as he was going through last year and receiving all that criticism, did you talk to him a lot or, you know, kind of help him work through that? I just told him, forget about it. I said, just come here and play, forget about it, and basically tell those people to go to hell, yeah. okay? Yeah. But he's 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 a great guy, by the way. Oh my gosh, he's he's so easy to be around. Um, one of the things I have always said: when a person gets a reputation as being a scorer, and no one else talks about his total game, this guy's got a total game. Yeah, he's leading the league in block shots, I believe, and uh, he's he's a, one of the most efficient players. He's shooting thirteen or fourteen shots a game. And he's averaging twenty some points a game. Mm-hmm. He seems to be really happy. He doesn't have to kill himself every night. Uh, and he's playing with a, a unique group of players. And it, it's always for a, a player, you know, coming to a really good team. If they're not willing to uh, buy into the process of, of playing with this team, who plays differently then they're not going to have the success they want, nor the team going to have it, uh, is going to have it. And he has bought into that theory. Uh, he, he never even tried to be the dominant scorer he was and what, he scored, averaged 25 or almost 26 points a game. And at the end of the season, he had plenty left in the tank. He didn't kill himself. And when I, when I watched Russell Westbrook play last year, this, is a, this guy is – maybe the most remarkable athlete I've ever seen. <laughs> but the thing that I so enjoy about him, he is so intense, and he plays this game the way it's intended to be played. Now, a lot of people play hard, but they don't have the ability he has. He might be the remote, most remarkable athlete that I have ever seen in basketball. I've never seen someone so supercharged like him. He just otherworldly when it comes to athleticism and on top of it uh his uh, his ability to compete uh is second to none i've seen yeah he um i mean did you ever think we'd see somebody else average a triple double <laughs> other than oscar <clears throat> well i think you have to be number one you have to have the ball in your hand and, uh, uh, and a chance to do it but he put so much pressure on the defense that if he had more good shooting uh, shooting around him, my gosh, yeah. uh, he might have averaged 20 assists a game because you just, I don't know if you can keep him in front of you. I really don't. I don't care what kind of defender. And I hear people talking about lockdown defenders. I don't know what a lockdown defender is, <laughs> but you could put two lockdown defenders on him and you're not going to keep him from going where <laughs> he wants to go. Now, everybody knows that you're the logo. That's your nickname, the logo, or one of them. And I saw you several months ago say that you, the NBA should be embarrassed that you're the logo. Why'd you say that? Why, I, did, why did I, you... did, I did. I did. I did not say that. Okay. I did not say that, Chris. Oh, you... What I said okay. was, the question that was asked me was, would if they wanted to change it, would it bother me? And I said, no, it would not. That I didn't. I've never done anything as a as, as a person to call attention to myself uh, or be the logo okay i've never done that and i never would um i've always been somebody who felt most comfortable uh, just competing and and kind of living um 
I guess in the background, um, that's just who I am. And I don't like notoriety. Uh, Unfortunately, I've had it as a player, as an executive. It's flattering when people think you do something a little bit different. But uh, at the end of the day, that's not who I am at all. I'm very realistic about, uh, you know, I had a, a career that I'm very proud of. I played with some great players. I've had an opportunity to be around the sport I've loved all of my life, and I still love it, and I still get excited about watching it. Uh, but to say that uh, that was somebody brought the question up, and uh, unfortunately, whoever it would be would have to get paid, I guess. Uh, I don't get paid for that, by the way, so <laughs> it would have been nice. But, You're right. <laughs> But uh, as I said, I don't even like to talk to it to be, about it, to be honest with you. Well, I, well, if you don't mind, would you like them to change it? Um, Chris, I don't care, okay? I just don't care. <laughs> all right, all but right. Most people don't change traditional things, okay? Yeah. They don't. Yeah. I got two more questions. Um, LeBron James, we know he's in his 15th year at some point he's going to, you know, start to decline as a player. Who do you see kind of becoming the face of the league once LeBron's not that anymore? Well, I think Giannis is going to be right there for sure. I think of Ben Simmons, uh, those two players, uh, to me right now, because they have the ball in their hands a lot, okay? They have it in their hands a lot. And they seem to be the ones who are the two that uh, watching Philadelphia play, uh, he he's he's going to make them a really really good team, and he's played only one year. Okay, that's all he's played in the NBA. Yeah. Can you imagine when he gets more experience? The game is an easy game for him to play mentally. It's very easy, and his size and uh, you know there's some players that are that have great skill that are look like they're when you watch them they're not pretty to watch. Yeah. Those two guys are pretty to watch, okay? Yeah. And that's what's captured the imagination. A Kyrie Irving, he's pretty to watch. He's fun to watch. A Steph Curry's fun to watch. Kevin Durant's fun to watch. Uh, a Clay Thompson, uh, if you're around him enough, uh, he's really fun to watch because you know he, he might make ten threes in a row and never dribble the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And yet he's improved his game so much. And I'm not making reference to the Warriors because I was there. I'm making reference to the Warriors because they have unique players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, uh, I mean, Kristoff uh, uh, Porzingis, uh, you know, you watch him play and his size, uh, you know, he shoots the ball. He's a competitor. He blocks shots. He rebounds. In some respects, he's fun to watch. But. He's not as pretty to watch as these yeah. other guys. These other guys are pretty to watch. And I think they're the ones who cap- captures, uh, the capture of the imagination of the league. Well, you, you mentioned Steph. And, you know, sometimes you hear players not kind of give him the respect he deserves. At least that's what I feel. Why do you think that is? You know what he looks like? When people look at him, and I'm sure there's players that are, listen, Professional jealousy is out there, okay? It's out there. Don't kid, don't kid yourself. Some people won't even, some players won't even give other players credit, yeah. which is ridiculous, okay? But he's gotten better. He's a much better defensive player than he was before. He's gotten better. And let me tell you something. When he's out there, you better pay attention to him, okay? 
he's a shot maker. Uh, I mean, he can shoot the ball from distances uh, that most players wouldn't even, I don't even know if they could get it up there with the correct form. <laughs> but he works on this. It's not something he doesn't do. <clears throat> but he's looked like one of those guys that you like to, uh, you know, sit down with. And, and you see little kids that people play with all the time and put <laughs> toys and everything. And because of the way he looks, okay, he looks like a young, a young little kid. And listen, he is so competitive, and he's one of the greatest kids you ever want to be around in your life. I just admire him so much, the way he conducts himself. Uh, he plays the game with a joy. And if you, if you even watch him in warm-up with his teammates, uh, it looks like he's having the time of his life. That would have driven me crazy because I hated <laughs> everyone I played with. I just thought if you weren't focused, I wish I could have had the personality like that so so you could – not feel the pressure you felt every night. Now, I'm sure he does because of uh, the importance he is to, uh, to the team, but uh, he, he's got something unique about him. If you're That smile, my God, he's got the most charming smile. He just, he's got something really unique. Would you call Kevin him Durant, the best shooter ever? I think he's oh, the best shooter so. ever. I think so, too, but I will tell you right now, his backcourt running mate's right there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, I, I think they're the best backcourt ever. Well, as I say, they both improved. That's what's, that's what's really amazing. Clay Thompson has improved tremendously, okay, tremendously. And I think if you combine the um, explosiveness of these guys and the, particularly the advent of the three-point shot, okay, and the way they can use that to their advantage. And uh, as I say, Clay Thompson, he, he could care less if he gets his name in the paper, mm-hmm. okay? He just plays. But he has gotten so much better this year, just watching early in the year. <clears throat> and this is a time <clears throat> when I really watch players that are, <clears throat> have been in the league two or three years to see if they're making progress or they are what they are. Yep. And these these really good players, they they improve subtly every year, okay, every year. And he has, Clay has done that, Steph has done that, and uh, it's just remarkable to watch. To be honest with you, they're 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 extraordinarily good players, but they're even more fun to be around. I got last question for you, a flashback. Um, I want you to have some fun with it. Uh, but it's Game 7, 1969 NBA Finals. You guys, Lakers against the Celtics. And you, the Lakers, can add one player. And you can choose between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Which one player are you adding? <laughs> well, I think the way the game was played, uh, the way the game was played uh, then, it would have probably been Michael Jordan. Um, and yet... LeBron James, he probably could have played center. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so both of them would have been good, but I think um, the way that Michael played in and uh, uh, in New York would be much certainly much more conducive because there was much more ball movement, um, not as much dribbling. Yeah. Uh, more pick and rolls. Uh, listen, I would have gladly taken either one of them. 
I, I, just give me one of them. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, Jerry, it, it's always great to talk with you, and uh, I definitely appreciate all this time that you gave gave me for this interview. Well, thank you, Chris. My best to you, and uh, continue to watch the NBA's. I think we're going to see some uh, really good play this year, and particularly when teams uh, have had a chance to play a little bit uh, more together. I'm anxious to see Oklahoma City get their act together. They've had a tough time scoring. Yep. And I don't think, I really don't think they're going to continue to play like this. I think you're going to see them explode and be a really good team. But uh, the, as I say, the team, I think Boston is uh, Boston is improved. Uh, their, their younger players have gotten better, and they got a heck of a coach there, too. But there's going to be a lot of teams, I think, that'll be fun to watch and watch the development of them, yep. and particularly from the first to the end of the season. Is it you? Most people think it's a foregone conclusion that Golden State's winning it if they stay healthy. What do you say to that? <laughs> well, if you Las Vegas, they don't do things to um, you know to lose money. <laughs> I've never seen a prohibitive favorite like this in my life, yeah. okay? And if they stay healthy, I just, I honestly don't see how anyone can beat that team for two or three years. I really don't. Yeah. Unless they have t- something catastrophic to happen to one of those players. But I heard Jeff Van Gundy said that he thought they could win without Kevin Durant, okay? Well, and they, <laughs> they won, you know, they obviously won one. Well, they they did, yeah. yes, but that's what I'm saying. You put him in there, and where would you rank him yourself as far as, far, as, far as top-rated all-around players in the league? Right now? Well, he'd be in the top three. He'd be oh, in the top yeah. three for sure. Easy. Okay? Easy. And I think Steph Curry would be in the top four. I think Clay Thompson now would move up the list, okay? So, um they have players there on that team, and Draymond Green is not a coach that wouldn't love to coach him. There's not one. He you were one of the first. Unique. You were the first. I remember people even scoffing at it a little bit. Years ago, you said he's a top ten player. Well, in the league? Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's certainly within the top 15, okay? Yep. Certainly within the top 15. I would rate him higher myself because of everything he brings to the game, but he's got he's got an incredible mind to play the game. My goodness. He's a step ahead uh, defensively all the time. Uh, he just, he's one of those unique players that comes along every once in a while. And to have all those guys on one team, it's, it's a stroke of good fortune. Well, you, you've been uh, around again, you've been around them, and I think people are hoping they break up. You know, you always hear people talking, well, Clay's going to leave or, or this or that. You know what their attitudes and personalities are like. Do you see them being the type of guys that get along enough and say, look, we just want to stay together and keep winning? Well, listen, I've never seen a unique group of players like this, okay? You know, people always, you know, uh, you know talk about a great job that franchises do to, uh, to get assemble really good players and really good teams. And there is a uh, there is a way to do that. Okay, there's no question. There's a way to do it. But the thing that I would uh, the thing I would tell you, I've never seen players of this nature together who genuinely like each other. Mm. And unless the Warriors felt that they could not afford these players, which they can, 
<laughs> I would expect them to see their uh, end their all of them in their careers together. Wow, wow, that's going to be tough for the rest of the teams in the league. <laughs> well, for two or three, you know, people say they don't like super teams. I think they create something different and really good. Myself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Jerry. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Okay, Chris. Great to talk to you. My okay. best. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.